guys are a very blessed church. I don't know if you realize that. Not because of me. Not because of me. But you have a lot of men of God who were willing to get up and to preach. And I, I love that we were able to kind of, you know, get get these different uh, uh, men up here to preach the gospel. And, and uh, of course, the first week you had to endure me. And we talked about the joy of Christmas, the joy of the Lord. And what a blessing that that is. Amen. And then we talked about, of course, uh, faith. Uh, faith was a big week, but uh, before that we had hope that brother uh, brother Austin preached on that one that one week, and then uh, I was somewhere in the middle of Turkey. I'm not sure where I was at. Brother Daniel preached on faith um, and and the the faith that comes from knowing Jesus and the beauty that is therein. And last week Ray preached on this beautiful thing called the love of Christ. And and because of all of that, it, it all happens not because of anything you or I do. We know that we are all flawed, amen? We all have problems. We all uh, are not perfect, but Jesus is perfect. Jesus is the one, and he is truly the light of the world. And in and, and the Gospels, when he tells his disciples, he says, I am the light of the world. It's deeper than just some, you know, like picture or word picture or something like that that he's trying to paint. It's actually a truth. In John chapter 1, we read where John opens up everything, which, by the way, Jesse and I got to go to the place where they think that John wrote the Gospel of John. I got to look out a window that maybe he looked out of while he was writing this gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And this Word that we speak of created everything. There was not anything created that was not created by Him, the light of the world. I'm blessed to be able to be a believer today. Are you? I'm blessed to be able to see the light. Coming from a country that is so dark, our missionary, he called Turkey, sweet darkness. It's true. The people are beautiful. The history is beautiful. The food is beautiful. The tea times are wonderful. What a beautiful place. The creation of God there is beautiful. But the vast darkness of the lostness of the people there is it's overpowering. And, and I think one thing, you know, like what, what do you take away from a trip? What do you, what do you bring back with you? Joni asked me, she, she's like putting me on the spot one day on the phone while I was calling her. And she says, well, what are you going to take away from this trip, Daniel? I think what I'm going to take away is that there is an urgency in, in giving people the good news. There's an urgency in, in asking people those those questions that need to be asked. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> I guarantee you, anybody in this place today, when you were sitting in church, there was a point in the sermon where the, the pastor said, do you know Christ? Maybe someone came up to you on the street or maybe it was in vacation Bible school at a church camp and they looked right at you and they said, do you know Jesus? I know my call point. I know where it happens. I, I was, I was uh, brought up in church and in Sunday school. I, you know, I, I had the, I looked like a, like a, a five-star general because I had all the pins, you know, for the perfect attendance and going to Sunday school. I had all of that. But I went to church camp one year and, and the pastor got up there and, and the question that Brother Sid Tiffin asked was, do you know Jesus? And it hit me different that time. Did I know Jesus? And they got up and sang that old hymn, the old rugged cross. I made it to verse two. 
and I had to hit the altar. The conviction of the Holy Spirit fell upon me at the tender age of nine years old, and I knew from that moment on who my God is. He's the light of the world. He's the light. And there is a, truly a, a light that is in the darkness. You and I are, are, are partakers in that beauty. The other night, the, the candlelight service was so beautiful. It was a lot brighter in here than it was the year before I was here. I can't imagine what next year is going to look like. Like we're all going to have to wear sunglasses next year. That's my goal. I want there to be so many people here lighting candles that we're just like, oh, we leave with sunburns. You know, that's, that's what I want. But truly, in the, in the real sense, you and I are, we're holders of that Christ candle. We're the ones that are, are taking or should be taking the light to the world, to those that may be in darkness. Church, I, I want to remind you today on this Christmas morning that there is a light in the darkness. His name is Jesus. If you feel beat down today, look up. If you feel wore out today, look up. If you feel like your energy levels are depleted, look up. If you, if you feel like there's, there's not a hope in your life, I want you to look up today because Jesus is the true light of the world. Luke chapter 2 tells of the birth of Jesus. And I, and I want to read this because, uh, not because it's just something they read on the Peanuts, uh, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas. I, I want to read Luke chapter 2 because it, it really does speak to the heart of the issue here. What do people need? What, what do you need? I'm so pumped that some of you guys showed up the other day and passed out toys. What a blessing. Somebody said, well, we didn't know we, didn't know we were giving out toys. It just happens. You know, the Lord gives us these opportunities. And, and those of you that were able to show up and to help, what a beautiful thing. Because I know you didn't just hand out a toy, but you handed out hope. You handed out a message that goes beyond a toy, that goes beyond uh, niceness or anything like that. And Luke chapter 2 talks about a gift that was given to you and I. And that gift is so big and so extravagant that we need to share it. Don't keep the good news to yourself. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all who went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, while they were there, Time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now check this out. A bunch of men, blue-collared men, if you want to call them that, are sitting in darkness that night. They're used to the darkness. Their eyes have not adjusted to any kind of light. They're used to the darkness but in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I want to see that glory. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away and from them and into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And when the Lord, in which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Our Heavenly Father, we are here today to think about the beautiful gift of Jesus. We are here today to be reminded that it is not just a gift that is to be gloried in on our own account. God, it is so good to be saved. It is so good to walk in your light. But Father, it is also, it is also for us to share this, this beautiful news, to share this light that wherever we go, God, we light up that world because you truly are the light that shines in the darkness. We ask this in your name. Amen. I want you guys to think about this for a moment. You've probably heard that, that account a time or two, right? You've heard that account. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I listen to this and I, I think of all the times I've heard this in my life. Just how beautiful it is, you know? There was, you know, a, a story that, that, is, that is put here before us and it's been put before me since I was a child. Uh, it's been put before me through Linus on, you know, the Peanuts cartoons. It's, it's, it's there. Like we're, we're well familiar with this passage of scripture, but, but I think that this is a message. This is a story that we need to dive into. Don't just skim it. Don't just know the history. Don't just know the basics, but really dive into the message of Luke chapter 2. You think about the shepherds. They weren't involved in anything considered glorious. I mean, they, they were covered in sheep poo. They smelled like sheep poo. Uh, people in the region would have even said they looked like sheep poo. You know, the shepherds of the time, they were not, uh, it wasn't like David's time, that there, there had been a transition in what shepherds were during this time period. Um, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of the range wars that happened in America. How you had the, you know, the cattlemen were putting up fences and the people with sheep were just wanting to range everywhere. And, and the cattlemen were like, hey, you guys can't do that because this is my land. This was going on in Judea at that time. The shepherds were kind of encroaching on people's lands. Uh, these sheep would, were not very smart, and sometimes they would just run into the cities and leave little pellets everywhere. You know, I mean, like the, the shepherds were not someone that you looked up to necessarily. They were not involved in anything that was considered glorious. And yet, they find themselves in the glory of the Lord. I want you to think a moment on this story. You, you may feel like you're nothing special. You know, you may feel like, uh, spiritually speaking, you're just a, you're a sage person, but 
you just don't have any talents, you, you don't have any, you know, maybe, maybe you don't feel like a, uh, you have a lot of courage to go out and to be a, a pastor or maybe to go be a missionary or something like that. But here's what I want you to understand is that God calls all people. And you may feel like you're just a sheep herder that's covered in sheep poo, smells like sheep poo, and look like sheep poo. But what I want you to know today is that God looks at you and he says, I want you to, to be in my glory. God invites us to experience the glory of the Lord. And that glory is the light, Jesus Christ. Uh, these, these guys, these shepherds, they go from social zeros to gospel heroes. <laughs> Man, they were nobodies, right? And now all of a sudden, they, because they heard the message and because they, they by faith went and witnessed it, it says that they go from that place rejoicing and they're telling everybody. They're gospel heroes. They're telling everybody, hey, the king, the, the, the Mashiach, the, the Messiah, he's here. He's been born. Our, our king has, has arrived and we've seen him. This message is, is one we should study on as we seek to hear from God. And I, and I, 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 wanna, I want us all to get to this point. We should desire the presence of God. I believe after the shepherds, after they had that experience, they probably wanted to, they wanted to see that again. They're like, okay, what did we eat? What, what were we doing when those angels came down? Because I want to see that again. I mean, I know at first they were scared. Um, you know, we always get these, these, these pictures of what angels look like, right? Uh, I, know, I know in Turkey, um, you can go in all these, these museums and they've got Eros, you know? And Eros is kind of basically what we know as Cupid today. We'll celebrate him here in a couple months on February the 14th. But Eros... Um, He's, 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 he's often portrayed as this little baby with wings and he's cute. You know, he's like, oh, you want to squish his cheeks or whatever. And, and, um, but angels, angels of the Lord were, were something different than what we may want to envision. They, they brought fear. <laughs> you know, you get in the book of Revelation, you read about the, the, the creatures in heaven and the angels there. I mean, they're, they're magnificent creatures that would bring fear, particularly to people who were sitting in the darkness. But what I do believe is that these, these shepherds were no longer sitting in darkness. They, their eyes had been opened to the gospel message. They were now, they were now uh, seeing something that was just beautiful. And I believe they probably, in my opinion, wanted to see it again. They wanted to continue to experience the glory of God. Church, our desire today should be to see God move. I'm going to say that one more time because I think maybe let's let that sink in a little bit. Our desire should be to see God move. Because it's really easy for us to come to church and just to, man, we just want to get a service. And well, Daniel, you know, it's 1126. You ought to preach a little less today so we can go about our Christmas. Hey, I want to go home too. I've got, um, I've got, uh, it's a wonderful life waiting on me to watch. Right? I haven't got to watch that yet this year. I've watched the main ones, you know. We, of course, we've got to watch Christmas Vacation. Don't judge me. <laughs> I don't know about the cat, but I sure am eating good. You know, it's like, it's like think about this for a moment. We have all these traditions, right? I, 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 know, I know Cousin Eddie's hilarious. I, I have an uncle who is Cousin Eddie, right? And he's a Baptist preacher for crying out loud. But, but this, this, this idea, I'm, okay, we can't record this, right? So I don't want my, I don't want my uncle hearing this, right? We'll edit this later. Okay, they're going to edit it later, right? 
But we all have those, those traditions, right? Uh, maybe you're going to go home, watch these shows. You're going to go home. I'm going to, my wife picks us a wonderful Christmas dinner every year and it's ham. You know, we, we do the whole traditional thing and I'm going to go home and enjoy it again. Round three just can't be bad, right? My mom brought a bunch of sweets yesterday. I, you know, I got to be with my, my, big, my big kids. They were there. We just loved being with each other. And as good as those traditions are, there is nothing sweeter than the message of Jesus Christ. Guys, I got to tell you something. I'm, I'm broken for, for people's souls. I have been, but, but, but coming back from Turkey, Jesse will, Jesse will attest to this. You know, when you walk into a village and 14 people say, you know what, we believe in Jesus as Savior, they shouldn't have believed anything we said. Why would they trust people who look different, who talk different? You know, for the, for the people that we spoke to on the street and they said, you know what, I used to think Jesus was, was just a prophet, but now I see that he is Savior. How in the world? Like, I, I, I think one thing that this, that this trip has shown me and reminded me is that the glory of the Lord is a beautiful thing. And that stuff shouldn't have happened, but, but God, right? God steps in. I desire the glory of God in my life more and more and more because he is that light in the darkness. Isaiah chapter nine, I, I love this passage. I know you guys, this is another one of those like those Christmas passages that we read and, and we're familiar with, but Isaiah chapter nine, it really is it's prophetically speaking of this Jesus who was to come, right? Isaiah nine chapter one, it says, but there will be no gloom, but there will be no gloom. See, where are we at here? <laughs> yeah, verse one. I just can't read today, guys. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Listen to this. The people who walked in darkness. That's past tense, right? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations and you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you. As with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. I look at this passage, and this is a beautiful one. I mean, you think about it, that the people who walked in darkness, and I think you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, we relate to that, right? There was a time, if you are a believer today, there was a time that you walked in darkness. You walked in darkness. There was no hope. I'm always amazed when people, like you watch the news and terrible things happen on the news, and we're just kind of like, I know you've seen this, People ask this question, what's wrong with people, right? You ever think that in your mind? Why would someone do that? Why would someone, what, what's wrong with people? I'll tell you what's wrong with people is that this light is not in their life. They're in darkness. They're reaching around. They don't know what, they don't see anything. But because of his goodness and grace, you and I have the ability to proclaim the gospel light to the world. Christmas is so much more, and I know this is cliche, but it's so much more than the presents. 
So much more than the fudge. I can't wait to get home, Austin, and eat that fudge. I'm probably going to eat it all today. You guys can visit me in the hospital tomorrow, okay? Eileen, we ate all your cookies. They're gone. I've eaten, she knows. There's so many sweets, so many things this time of year. Those are great, right? But the gospel message is what we need to be focusing on. And everything we do in this new year as the church, what, what I really, and, and I know we, we can have differences of opinions on this, that, or the other, but here's what we need to come together on, is that Jesus needs to be preached. God is so good. Man, I, 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 I told Joni, we were just talking yesterday, and I said, I'm so encouraged. I'm so encouraged by you people. I'm so encouraged by this church. I have friends, and I know, like, sometimes we may have differences in the way we look at things or whatever. It's nothing compared to what some of my, my friends deal with. I, I had a friend, and, and he went to church, and they handed him an envelope for his, you know, his little Christmas bonus or whatever. He gets home, the, the envelope's empty. They gave him an empty envelope just so it looked good in front of all the, the congregation, but they didn't give him anything. I know it's not all about Christmas bonus. I know that. But I see the heart of some people there too, Right? Where's our heart today? Where are we at? If I was to ask you a question that probably you've been asked before is, have you thought about who Jesus really is? Do you desire to see God move? I believe God can move in our ministries here. He can move in our giving. He can move in our growth. I I look around. God's growing our church, guys. God's doing great things. I mean, it, it, the glory of the Lord is here. We just need, to, we need to, to open our eyes and to see it, to quit walking in darkness and to follow hard after him. Because again, it, this passage of scripture, it talks in the past tense. It says the people who walked. We don't have to walk there anymore, church. We can walk in glorious light. Why? Because for unto us, a child has been born. And his name is Jesus. He is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Two weeks away from my, my beautiful wife. Like I, the last couple of weeks, man, I just, I couldn't get enough. I just can't get enough of her now. I couldn't get enough of her before, by the way, right? But two weeks away from her and it's like, I just, I just, I'm so happy to be back in her presence. Guys, don't you think God deserves that same type of love and devotion? He does. It's beautiful what God does with his people. I have to, I have to admit too, like I feel, I feel like I should introduce myself as your pastor again because I, I, uh, I've been gone for you know, a couple of weeks and I didn't preach last week because Ray had to preach and, and he did a great job, right? It's a beautiful thing what God is doing here. But that message that we must proclaim, I know you guys are like, Daniel, you're always talking about the gospel. Yeah, I am because that's all I have. It's, it's, it's the message that changes people. I, I can't preach social gospel. I can't preach a, um, you know, a feel-good gospel. I just preach the straight gospel. That's all I know. Because I know that changes people. That's the light that is in the darkness. It's not Daniel. I'm nothing special. It's not this church. We're nothing special. Stay with me. It's not the Southern Baptist Convention. We're nothing special. You know who is special? It's Jesus. Now, because of Jesus... The Southern Baptist Convention is special. Because of Jesus, this church is special, right? Because of Jesus, you are special. Because of Jesus, I am special. He loved us so much, he came and he died for us. 
And what we proclaim today is the gospel message. What, what does this light do? Uh, three points, and then we're going to wrap this up and go home and eat some ham. Or uh, We tried to eat McDonald's last night, and they closed up on us. What does, that's a weird thing, wasn't it? Like, we had this wonderful meal, and we're all just sitting around last night, and we're like, you know what sounds good right now? <laughs> some French fries and chicken nuggets. That's literally, that's literally what I wanted. I'm like, I'm not even hungry, but I'm like, yeah, I'll go for some chicken nuggets. <laughs> Give me some sweet and sour sauce. It's going to be good. We didn't need that. We, we, we're always coming up with weird traditions. That was, I guess, going to be our new one. But my heart is thankful that tradition didn't take place. But the light of the Lord is overpowering. Don't you guys agree? When you're looking at the story of the, the, the shepherds, they were overpowered. They, they were scared. There was fear. There in chapter 9 of Isaiah, it says that, um, that the God has made glorious the way of the sea. There's this like kickback to the, the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. That his power is overpowering. Do, do you remember, do you know, have you experienced the overpowering love of Jesus? I found myself in Turkey a few times, um, just overpowered. Like our last day that we were there, we were about to go out and and do some touring and, and do some evangelism. I, I just kind of took off walking and I walked over um, by uh, St. John's Basilica. It's where St. John is buried. And I'm just walking around. I'm taking selfies of myself, you know, because that's what you do when you're on vacation or you're on a trip or you're in some distant location or something like that. And I'm taking pictures of the, of the, the, the architecture. Um, my family are all sick of seeing pictures because I've got like 8,000 pictures of stones and, and, and all this archaeological stuff and, and, uh, and all these cool stories that come with it. But, but I'm walking around. I'm, I'm taking pictures of all this stuff. I'm enjoying all of this. But then there was just this sense of overwhelming I know God can do something great, not just in McLeod, but in, in Turkey too. Our, our, uh, our operative on the ground, you can't say missionary over there, you'll get in trouble, but our operative on the, on the ground, he uh, uh, drops us off at the airport the next morning and I'm walking in with my bags and everything and I'm crying like a baby. And I wasn't just crying for Turkey, but I was crying for McLeod because I know there are people in this town that are just as lost. They're walking in just as much darkness. I don't have to be, I don't have to be in despair. I can live in hope because I know what God has blessed us with is beautiful. The message of Christmas is what? It's beautiful and it's overpowering. It's, it's overpowering. And here's the thing. I don't want you guys to think of that in a negative light, like the glory of God is overpowering and you just can't do anything. Here's what I want you to understand. We find empowerment in the truth, of course, but, but this overpoweringness of God, that's when we experience who God is and we understand that it takes him to do any good through us. That overpowering is a good thing. If we understand that, that he is in control, then all's going to be well. Because I can't do it on my own. I, I, can't, I can't rely upon my own, my own emotions, my own power. I can't do anything like that. I have to rely upon Jesus. He is overpowering, but he's overpowering in the sense that, that he works through me. The power of his good news, the illumination of our troubles, his cure. Guys, we're going to experience this overpowering feeling. And it's overpowering because we're not able to do what we need to do in order to fix what we have messed up. It takes Jesus 
It takes him. And if it feels overpowering, just say, all right, that's what I need. I need it to be overpowering, right? I need it to be overpowering. You ever had your wisdom teeth pulled out? <laughs> Some of you are like, nope. Some of y'all have. And then the, it, it may be my first time to ever like go under like medicine or whatever, you know, to have surgery. They, they took my wisdom teeth out when I was uh, a whopping 17 years old. And, and, they, and they, you have to just let them take control. You women know what this is like when you go in to have a baby. You've just got to say, all right, we trust in you here, right? Maybe you've had some major surgery and you're just trusting the doctors and it's overpowering in that sense. But you know, if you let them do what they're good at, they're going to fix you. Now, granted, you may hit on the nurses because you're, you know, under anesthesia, which I did at the age of 17. I went back for my post-op and I think that nurse is ready to marry me. I'd made some promises to her under, you know, under the needle. But it's overpowering, is it not? The power, the, the love of God. But here's what I want to caution us to do. If, if it feels overpowering, don't run from it. But let it fix what's broken. Martin Luther says that no man, no matter who he may be, can ponder the magnificence or express, express it adequately in words, the, the love of God. We poor mortals who are condemned and are miserable sinners through our first birth from Adam are singled out for such great honor and nobility that the eternal and almighty God is our father and we are his children. Church, you are the children of God. Don't forget that. The world's going to tell you you're a bunch of bigots and you don't get it. They're going to tell you 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 follow an antiquated religion. Don't listen to that. You are children of the most high God and through God and his ultimate love for all people, we have the light of Jesus that fixes not just us, but our world. Yep, the light of the Lord is overpowering, but we need to be overpowered. We need to step out of ourselves for once and just let the power of God work through us. Second thing I would say this morning is that the light of the Lord is necessary. It's necessary. I think about it for a moment. These, these shepherds, they're on the, they're on the hills and they're, they're counting sheep, <laughs> probably in both ways, right? They're probably getting ready to go to sleep themselves. And these angels show up and they experience the glory, the light of the Lord. They go and see baby Jesus. They see the light of the world right there. I mean, I, I walked where, where Paul walked, right? And that was super cool for me. But can you imagine seeing the baby Jesus? Can you imagine being uh, right there where prophecies coming forth? The light of the Lord is necessary. You and I need Jesus. You and I are in desperate need of our Lord and our Savior. It's in him alone that we find the cure, guys. Are are we struggling with how to reach McLeod? Sometimes we do, don't we? Let's go back to what the cure is. The cure is the light of the Lord. It it may be passing out toys. It may be, you know, uh, Ray, we we got to go pass out food the other day. And that that was really fun, man. That's why I tell you, I said, this is year two. We've got to go bless people with food. What a blessing. But it's in him and him alone. Uh, we, we've had a couple people come in, you know, wanting groceries and stuff. And Eileen, the other day, I asked that woman if she's a believer. You remember? Like I did, I just, that was something I'm like, I don't normally do that. I'm, I'm normally just, you know, uh, just, hey, man, it's nice. If you need a church, we're here for you kind of thing. But I asked her, I said, no, do you know Jesus? I don't know if she'll, you know, she said she did. Here's what I do know. She's probably going to think back. She's like, that guy asked me a weird question that I don't normally get asked. Do you know, do you know Jesus? Maybe it'll prompt her to, to follow Christ 
holy again. Maybe it'll prompt her to know Jesus. I don't know. But the light of the Lord is necessary. Here's the thing. And I'm reminded by the, the candlelight service the other night. It was a lot, I, I mentioned it was a lot brighter because there was more people here. Guys, you guys have the light of God within you. You shine it to the world. McLeod can be a really bright spot in the world. It can be. Cautionary tale that we get from, from the land of Turkey is that Jesus told them in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, he said, if you don't get your stuff together, I'm going to take your candlestick from you. And everywhere we went over there, all we saw was piles of rocks. I don't want McLeod to be a pile of rocks to you. I want us to be a beaconing light to the world. I don't want people coming here and saying, well, this is where they baptize people. Oh, cool, you know. Now, this, I want this baptistry to be doing this for a long, long, long time because it is necessary, the light of the Lord. The light is absolutely necessary. And without the light of Jesus, I want you guys to think about this. We sit in darkness. There are churches in America today that don't preach the gospel, and they're sitting in as much darkness as people in Turkey. The joy that we find in the light is a joy that reminds us that we're no longer groveling in the darkness. We are children of the light. A new creature in, in some senses for me is an understatement because it's, it doesn't even fully describe what God has done for me. From the first time that I walked in and visited with you guys' search team, there was a connection there. Not like a, oh, this guy fits our protocol for being a pastor. Not, not that kind of connection. And there was one thing I said, I don't know if you guys remember, but I was like, you know, hey, if, if this doesn't work out, I've met some really wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. You guys can call me, I'll come to a revival, you know, anything. I, we, we had that discussion, I, but, but that, that connection is what I'm talking about, and that connection is Jesus. I had no doubt when I met you guys for the first time, I was like, these people are believers. Like, I, I, I think for me that, that was a big thing because I knew, like, uh, that even taking a big step and leaving a church that I'd been at for 17 years, that, that stepping out and coming here, it wouldn't be that big deal because I'm just going to a bunch of people who are just going to love the Lord and love me. And you guys have. You guys have. I don't want you guys to pat yourselves on the back too much, okay? Because that love is powered by the lights. We have to hold true to the lights. Your pastor, if I ever get off course, come tell me. I need to hold true to the light. I need to preach the light. I need to, that needs to be my focus. Why? Because it is overpowering. But guys, it's necessary. It's necessary. Jesus said in John 8, he says, uh, I'm the light of the world. There's importance in that, right? Jesus wasn't just bragging about himself. He could. He had every right to brag, right? But he is the light of the world. And we need to, to bear witness to that fact. The last thing I would say this morning, and I, the light of the Lord is, is empowering. It's overpowering. It's necessary. But guys, here's what I want you to understand is that when you think about the love of Jesus, it empowers you to go forth. Johnny mentioned a few times because, I mean, honestly, in Turkey, there was, there was some, there was some, we were followed. I'll just put it that way. And I know that there was that aspect to going on that trip, but she, I, I mentioned some stuff to her. She's like, it's like it didn't bother you that you might get arrested. It's like, like it didn't bother you. Like our, our missionary was almost beat to death just a few months ago. Spent time in the hospital. You know what for? For preaching the gospel. 
She's like, it was like you didn't mention it. And guys, I don't say that to say, well, Daniel's a really manly man. You guys know that's not true. But, but it's like, I don't do that to brag, but I mean, there was this overwhelming sense of just empowerment from the Holy Spirit that, you know what? If it's God's will that we go to prison, we're gonna minister to people in prison. That, that's taking me out of my comfort zone, guys. Because my biggest discomfort here might be a business meeting. My biggest discomfort here might be a, <laughs> you know, like, like going down the street and somebody saying, well, you're the Baptist preacher. Now I've had, I've had some of the people in town, well, you're the Baptist preacher. Whoa, oh, you're Baptist. Oh, yeah, I'm Baptist. What are you? We get in these, these little ruts, right? We get in these ruts and I think we kind of get stuck in these ruts. But when we understand that the gospel is, is empowering, the message you have is something you should be proud to share. Your testimony is a beautiful thing. What God has done in your life is a beautiful thing because that's what, where people are going to connect because they're going through the same stuff you are. It's empowering. If you want to you be more powerful in the, in the ministries here at the church, just get ready to give your testimony. That's your power. Because your, your testimony is not about you. It's about what God has done in you. It's empowering. Something I can express that the people who gave their lives to the Lord while we were in Turkey, it happened because the Holy Spirit spoke through us. Because I know they weren't really listening to me. They could care less about this American who found hope, you know. One thing I learned over there, you, you know, we, maybe we need to learn it here, but you can ask a Muslim, any Muslim in any part of the world, do you love Jesus? You know what they're going to say? Yep, I do love Jesus. I do love Jesus. You know why? Because they do. He's revered as a great prophet. They don't hate him as we were supposed. I mean, think about this for a moment. When we were in, in, um, in Selchuk and Ephesus, like, like the apostle John is revered as a saint there. You know what they call Mary? The, the Muslim people in Turkey call Mary? They call her Mother Mary because they revered Jesus so highly. The question that gets them, though, is do you believe he's Savior? David would ask him, you know, hey, you know, he would be, do you know who Jesus is? Yeah, we know who Jesus is. He said, well, you don't need another prophet. You need a savior. That was his big thing. And I'm like, I'm going to start using that in America because I think it's, I think it's a valuable point. You don't need another religious figure. You don't need something that, you know, I think some people in America, they kind of equate Jesus with uh, George Washington, right? They're kind of like these historical figures that we better revere. Jesus isn't just a historical figure. He is savior. That message is empowering. I'll tell you what, when I saw him mentioning that word, and I kind of, we were starting to learn some Turkish while we were there, and, I, and you know, you, you kind of get to, you know what they're talking about after a little bit, because he did it so much. It didn't matter where he was at, he's preaching the gospel, and, and, and you get to hear that. But whenever he would talk about, you know, uh, uh, Moses is in his tomb, Abraham's in his tomb, Muhammad's in his tomb, but Jesus is not in his tomb. And he would say, you don't need another prophet. You need a savior. It's true in America, is it not? The power in Christmas is that blind people can see. And if we were blind, let us glory in showing people the light of Jesus. Let the church say amen to that. If we were lost, let us glory in showing people the way. Let the church say amen to that. If we were hopeless, let us glory in showing and sharing a hope that is truly beyond anything we can find in this world. 
guys, we would do well today to live in the truth of this season. But not just this season, but in all seasons of our life. For Jesus was born for you and I. Just think about that for a moment. I know, I know you have, and I know that that thought's there, you know. I mean, Hallmark movies sometimes cover Jesus, you know. I mean, they do, right? I don't know. I never really watched one. I'm just going out on a limb here. You Hallmark people are something else. That's all I can say. You're wonderfully and beautifully made in the eyes of the Lord, and I don't understand it. <laughs> For us, he was born. For us, he was given. For us, he reigns. Guys, he reigns today. The overpowering, necessary, empowering love of Jesus exists because we need it. We sing it today. He's our wonderful counselor, amen? He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting Father. He is our Prince of Peace. When you're reading through Scripture, there's something interesting in, in Isaiah 9 where it says all of that, and, and we're reading about that. Whenever the names of Jesus are listed there, they're all in capital letters. They're all official names, and guys, we need those official names in our life. I, I need a counselor. I need a, a God. I don't just need a counselor. I need a mighty counselor. I, I don't just need a God, but I need a mighty God. I need an everlasting Father. I need a Prince of Peace. I need all of those things. I mean, there, there's parts of my life I just can't control, and I try. I was putting together a gift, and I just got to say this because I don't want you guys to think Joni beat me up. I got, I got a bruise on my nose, right? Um, being a dad's really hard work, by the way. But I'm putting together, I can't say it because of uh, uh, someone that's in the room and, and uh, a whole Santa Claus thing. Anyways, but I, uh, I'm putting together a toy, a toy last night, and it said, you know, click this down and then pull up. I did pop. I mean, I just about knocked myself out. Jet's like, are you all right? And I'm just like, oh, you know. If I could have had birds and stars above my head, I would have. I woke up with this beauty mark here, but that's okay. It's okay because uh, I understand that God's blessed us. I, I don't have to have this life. I don't, I don't have to have this, uh, this awesome like privilege to preach to you guys every week. You know, guys, thank you for allowing me to be here. But, but more than that, thank you, Jesus, right? It's a beautiful thing, and, it, and it's not just beautiful because I get to do this, but it's beautiful because we're proclaiming this middle candle. Because without this middle candle, all this other stuff doesn't exist. Without the, the love of Jesus, that light, without him, we, we just don't have all this. This stuff doesn't matter. It all, it all melts and it's gone. We need a wonderful counselor. We need a mighty God. We need an everlasting Father. We need a Prince of Peace. One last thought before we close. Our, our worship team comes forward. I want you guys, I want to leave you with this thought. I left you guys on, on our, our candlelight service the other night with this thought. But Jesus was not God because of his virgin birth. Okay? Let's just get that thought down. He wasn't God because he was born a virgin. Jesus wasn't special because he was born a virgin. Jesus was born of a virgin because he is God. There was no one else that could have went to the cross for us. There's no one else that could have laid in that manger that cold night. 
for us by Jesus. And the lights of the gospel, our, our ability to have joy, our ability to have hope, our ability to have faith, our ability to have love is because of what Jesus has done. Thankful for this season. I'm thankful for this time that we've had, even though we were halfway around the world. I know that, um, that God was proclaimed in both places, and I'm thankful for that because that's what really matters. And I want to implore you today, don't just leave here and say, well, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have some cool Christmas music coming up here in a minute, I guess. But uh, <laughs> don't just go out and just celebrate holidays, but go out and celebrate the love of Jesus. And when I say celebrate, I mean share. If, if a preacher is to give homework to people, my homework for you this year would be to share the gospel. And I don't mean just to invite people to church, but I mean, have those conversations. Well, hey, tell me, tell me about your experience with God. Do you know him? Can I explain to you who Jesus is? Those kinds of conversations. Those are, and you, you may think, well, that's, that's so uncomfortable. Yeah, it is, but that's where we, that's where we are now empowered by God to tell a story that only God can tell to the heart through the Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus on the cross for the glory of the God who loves us. And I'm so encouraged. I'm so encouraged to know Jesus. And I pray today that we, we carry that message because he truly is the light in the darkness. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to say a prayer. And our worship team is going to close out today. But I, I invite you, if you need prayer today, maybe you need Christ. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I want to put it out there because this is those, com- those conversations we need to be having, right? I know a lot of times churches don't do it anymore. And I, maybe I'm guilty of sometimes not pushing it enough. But if you need to know Christ today, if that's something you have never done, I want you to understand that everybody here, myself included, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. But the gift of God is eternal life, and that comes through Jesus. You've heard the message today. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is speaking to your heart. If this is the case, I want to invite you to come to these altars today and give your life to the Lord. And church, if you feel empowered today, by golly, go out there and preach the gospel. I mean, you can, you can dance like Danny Kay all day long, but if you're not preaching the gospel, it's not worth anything. Which, by the way, I'll be watching the three-hour version of White Christmas today with my wife because that's her show. I like it. But the message of Christmas isn't being Crosby. It's not the little... You know, sister's song, if you guys are familiar with the movie. It's not what it's about, which I love all of that. And it's, it reminds me of this time of year, but the power, the power in this time of year is Jesus. And church, I want to implore you to be proclaimers of the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that I'm, uh, Lord, I think you were back safe in the United States of America. We're back safe with our families. Uh, but Lord, I thank you that the gospel still stands. Lord, even if you would have, have seen fit to put us in prison or, or Lord, whatever. Uh, Lord, we know that, that, uh, that your gospel would still be true. We know that your goodness would still be there. And so today we glory in the fact that, God, we have this awesome ability, this awesome responsibility. Lord, this great joy to go and to take the gospel to the world. May we sense the urgency in that message. God, may we share it today. Lord, as we look forward to this year of ministry and, uh, Lord, uh, the ministries we will, we will get to do and be blessed to do, God, I pray that we will just put you as the focal point. God, would you draw people today who may not know you, whether they're listening now or maybe they're listening later, God. We ask that you would be glorified in all of this. Your word has been spoken. I know 
that it will go forth and do what it was intended to do, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you for the ability to have a happy Christmas because of who you are in your name. Amen.